My name is Tommy Barrett, and I am here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can make bigger profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's show is with one of my all-time favorite people, Tommy Barrett. Tommy is a successful entrepreneur having a seven-figure exit from one of his companies, which has now led him to multiple different opportunities in his life. He does everything from consulting companies to scale and exit their businesses, acting, and is even a stand-up comedian, uh, which in turn led him to create an incredible four-purpose company called Project Punchline, which he shares about in this episode. The thing I love the most about Tommy, though, is he is hands down one of the most generous people that I know. Tommy thinks exactly as Steve and I do when it comes to wanting to build companies and make massive impact in this world. In this episode, Tommy talks about his pool company that they used to feed over 1,500 kids a day. Imagine how you'd feel if every day you went into work building a business, and at the end of the day, you were able to feed 1,500 kids. He shares about the impact it had on their employees, on their team, and even near the end, Tommy gets a little emotional talking about giving away dinners at Christmas time to people in need. This episode is the definition of Go Big to Give Big and will leave you incredibly inspired to go create a giving component in your company. So with that, let's jump on in. All right, I am fired up to dive into this episode with my good friend, Tommy. Welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited. This is going to be uh, special for us. We met at a conference all about giving back, and uh, we actually even got to share the stage together, uh, sharing about our stories of giving back. And uh, I will say you've been one of the most inspirational people that we met along the way of how we built giving back into our businesses by hearing your story of how you ended up starting up with just a uh, lifeguarding pool company. And then we're able to scale it to a significant amount, make some massive impact with it, and then uh, successfully exit it. So uh, take me back to the the beginning where you started a lifeguarding company and scaled it to be pretty massive along the way. So a long time ago, Many moons ago, we started a, a company uh, called TAE, and we did that because I worked for somebody else, and I ran their biggest contract, and nobody ever checked on me. Nobody ever, nobody from the office ever talked to me. I was like kind of out there on an island by myself, and I wasn't making very much money. And I was like, man, I don't know why I'm doing this for somebody else. I should be doing this for myself. And that's normally what entrepreneurs do, right? They take their skill set and then they deploy it for themselves. So that's what I did. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to work for this company anymore. So I actually begged my friend who was a general manager at a bar. I was like, hey, man, I really need a job. I'm quitting my job because I'm going to start a new, uh, a new company. 
And he gave me a job as a bar back. So I was like washing dishes, cleaning bathrooms, mopping up puke while I'm doing. So I'm working at night from 7 p.m. to about 4 a.m. And then during the day, I'm working for my company from, you know, 8 a.m. till I have to go into, you know, wash dishes and stuff. Um, and so because I had the skill set and I had been doing it for so long with the pool business, you know, and I had a few connections, uh, we started to like the first probably four years, we doubled in business every year. Um, but then once you get to the point of doubling, there's at some point you can no longer do that because it's not, you can't as a service-based business, it's, you need such a massive staff that it's very difficult to hire that many people so quickly. But, um, we scaled that business eventually it had over 300 employees. It was a multi-million dollar business and we got it to the point to where the owners were no, no longer involved. It was just a passive income entity. And it was at that point that I was like, man, um, I think we could sell this thing. And so we finally took it to acquisition and we, I mean, we sold it within the first month we had it up for sale. So it was, it was pretty solid. Um, but during that journey, there was a, we went to the conference that we met at. Um, and I want to say, I think the first one I ever went to was in 2015. And that's kind of where we learned about the giving component that you can plug in, play into, into any company that you have to where you can actually give back instead of just making money, which I thought was pretty sweet. Walk me through. So obviously you've got this pool company. It's kind of, you know, not new to you, but the scaling the businesses is, is as you're growing, you're having a lot of fun with it. And then all of a sudden you go to a conference that says something about giving back. And it changed everything for you guys. Walk me through that change from start to finish. So, man, I just got goosebumps just thinking about the first <laughs> time I heard about it. Um, man, so I was sitting in the seat and, I, and Cole Hatter puts on Thrive. And he was talking about Tom's shoes. He was like, yeah, you know, for every pair that they sell, they give away a pair. And initially, the first thing I think of was, sounds expensive. Sounds like they're not making very much money. Um, but then he kind of went through the process and explained like how they do it, how they, you know, bake in the price to be able to give away that pair of shoes to where the customer is actually the one that's giving. It's, you know, the the company's kind of like the middleman in a way. Um, they're just the ones that are executing on the giving side. And so I heard that. And then he went into, you know, a bunch of different stories on giving. And, he, you know, one thing I remember he said, because he owns an orphanage, he was like, hey. Uh, if you think money doesn't buy you happiness is like, what about this? And he clicked the button on the, on the clicker. And there was a picture of some orphans that came up and I'm getting like teary eyed. And he's like, yeah. So like I, because I make money in my business, I have the capability of having an orphanage to where these kids depend on me. And I'm sitting there like teary eyed. I look over at my business partner. I'm like, dude, we have to do this. We have to figure out how we can start giving in our business towards just more than just making money because Making money is great, but everybody has that moment in life, I feel like, to where on Christmas, you give somebody a gift that they never thought they would give and they open it. That feeling is way greater than getting ever getting any kind of gift. Um, and so we wanted to have that component within our business. And we also noticed like as we started to deploy that, it wasn't a marketing thing for us. Like in the beginning, we didn't want anybody to know what we were doing. So I was like, man, I don't want people to think that we're saying, hey, we're a for-purpose business to where it'll garner more customers along the way. I want people to understand that we're doing this because we just want to give. We want to be a, a, a great company that gives. And once we started incorporating our company into a for-purpose business, our employees, instead of being in sales meetings going like, how much, like what, what's the PL look like? 
they want to know, hey, how many meals were we able to buy this month? Because um, we picked a nonprofit that actually one of my friends owns um, called Kids Grub that feeds 1,500 kids a day in Houston. And sometimes the meal that they give to that child is the only meal they get all day, which is which is pretty staggering, impressive, and very sad at the same time. But so we picked this this company to give money to, and it just kind of changed the dynamic and the culture within the company because now everybody who's working there feels like they're doing more than just making money. They're making a difference in other people's lives, which is very important, I feel like, for the culture of any business. Dude, there's so much to go into here. Um feeding 1500 kids a day a day that's i I'm, i think they're i think they're now like at 2500 or 3000 i mean but a day i mean think about that a day that's that's not a month that's a day like there's there's that many kids in a huge city like Houston Texas that aren't getting fed and that's mind boggling because most people don't don't even know they're going through their daily life and they don't even know that that exists. They think, yeah, there might be a few people that are on the corner begging for money, but they have no idea that there's these little innocent kids that somebody is providing a meal for them because their parents, for whatever reason, whatever circumstance that they're in, have, don't have the ability to do that. Mind blowing. So walk me through how you implemented in that into your company. You know, you, you're making good money. And then you're like, we're going to in- incorporate this give back. We found the charity. What did you do to start implementing it directly into your business? So what we did is um, I had my CFO print up uh, a price list of everything, like everything we sell. like, um, And so like on certain things, we would just add a percentage to like 3% for these, for these type of items, 5%. These items are smaller. We can do a little bit more. We can do 10% or 20% on these. Um, like the bigger, like con- when you have a $250,000 contract, you can't add 10% to that because nobody will sign it. They're like, what's, why are you so much higher than everybody else? So like on, on those types of things, like the, the big contracts would be like half a percentage or a 1% that we would know that we could give away. Um, and because by doing that, by going through and, and, and tackling like what the price range was going to be, we knew like every single month, like when we could look at our P&L, we would know, hey, we sold this much of this and we would know how much money we could give. So it was almost like having a membership to a nonprofit to be able to just start writing them checks. Like every single month, hey, here's your check, here's your check. And, you know, at first, uh, Kenny is his name. And he he was at first like, this is kind of crazy. You you don't have to do this. I'll never forget the first check I gave him. He He was like, oh, that's, he's like, cool. He didn't open it up. It was in an envelope. But he called me like an hour later. He's like, dude. He's like, seriously? <laughs> He's like, this check is huge. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, like this is the whole point. Like we want to be able to consistently give because what happens in most businesses when they want to have some sort of giving component, they're like, well, if we, if this happens, then we can give. Meaning like if we make a profit of 10% or above, whatever's above 10% or 15% or 20%, we'll give, you know, 50% of that away. But what happens when they don't make that profit margin? Well, then they're not giving, and so that's that's a problem, and that's and that's kind of where I feel like Cole and Tom and Tom Shoes and all these companies that kind of set the precedent for doing this really made me understand like, oh, you can you can consistently give without having to always make sure that you're making these certain numbers to and then be able to to give because then what happens is 
you do that year over year and you're not making the numbers you need to make to give. And so you're not giving. And so we wanted to kind of remove that and just always be able to every single month, here's a check, here's a check, here's a check to where um, they, somebody who's changing so many people's lives, we have a little bit of, of influence and help for what they're doing, you know, and it's, it's just a great feeling, man. It's, it's like just thinking back about doing that in the beginning it was, it was so exciting and it just changed, it completely changed the dynamic of our business. Freaking awesome. Dude, I can just see your passion coming out. And that's why I was so excited for this. Cause like, we're from the same, same breed, man. Like that moment you start giving, it just changes how you look and everything. I got goosebumps just talking to you about this. And uh, I, I don't know if you're open to sharing, but like what kind of uh, impact were you able to make? Like what kind of checks were you writing for this kind of company? Oh, I mean, thousands of dollars. I mean, it, it was thousands and thousands of dollars that we were just handing over every month. Um, you know, and and in when the and there were there were bell curves. I mean, every company has bell curves. Every company is cyclical because sometimes you know you're going to sell a bunch. Like for a pool company, you're going to sell a ton in in the summertime, but in the wintertime it slows down. So like in the summertime, you're, we're giving more money, obviously, because we're making more sales. And in the wintertime, it it you know it droops a little bit. And it, it's cyclical, but you're you're consistently having the ability to give, which um, that's what became important. It wasn't the fact that, hey, we need to be profitable this month, which you do need to be profitable. But it was more about like, hey, we need to be able to give this month. You know, there's people depending on us. There's little kids out there that need us to be able to give. And that's we that would be kind of the pep talk, talk in the sales meetings was like, hey, here's the goal for how many how many meals we want to buy. Um, and so let's, this is the number that we need to hit to be able to do that. Um, and I don't remember the exact amount of like how much to, how much it costs to feed a kid for a day, but it's not a lot of money. Let's say it was like $4 and 50 cents or $5, uh, per kid. And so when you look at that, that's what really started to motivate the salespeople to like, Hey, we can get to that number. That's badass. And I'd always, like I said, the first thing they would ask, how many meals were we able to buy this month? Dude, that's so powerful. What did it do for the organization you're donating to making consistent donations every single month? And I know that's something so many people might find, uh, you know, overrated or, or don't, might not understand the impact that it has, but as a nonprofit, knowing that you can almost rely on money coming in every month and not just like, oh, we made some profit this month, we'll donate, but you're consistently donating every single month. What impact did that have on them? Well, I mean, it's cash flow, right? Like, what what does cash flow have on any business? Uh, the way their business operates is they provide meals, and then um, they submit whatever they their their labor costs and and food costs and all that. They submit it to the state, and they will get reimbursed a portion of that. Not all of it, but they'll get a reimbursed a portion of that. But it's after the fact, and so anybody knows who who sells any kind of service or any kind of products, you know you need money to be able to buy inventory. You need money to be able to pay for, pay people, pay your labor costs. And so it was like oxygen to their business because now they're, they can do more because we're giving and they can count on that money coming in. So they have the ability to go, okay, let's pick up a couple other sites that we can start feeding more kids at. And so because of that, they were able to expand their business um, at a little bit of faster rate than, than they did before. It's freaking beautiful, man. Um... I have a question about your scalability of the business, but before I ask that question, uh, you mentioned that basically one of the KPIs that your staff started to ask about were how many kids were we able to feed today? 
yesterday, this month, this year. Tell us about how that culture changed and how that helped your business grow after you started implementing this give back component. Well, it's kind of like like the three of us, right? Like we 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 have a lot of commonalities and we get along because um, we have our visions are very similar in how we want to impact the world. And so what you do is you start attracting people that you want in your business. You don't have the people that are just money hungry working. They're like salespeople. I mean, they love to make money, but if that's the only thing that they want to do, then obviously they're not a good fit. So then what happens is, is inadvertently and not in a, like a negative, like get the hell out of here type of thing, but it starts to kind of push those people out that you really probably don't want involved in your business anyway, because they're all about themselves and you start attracting people that want to impact other people. So you start building a culture that has unity and a vision and everybody's rowing in the same direction. Um, and so because of that, inadvertently, just a, like a, a, a byproduct of giving, you start getting the talent that you really want and the talent to actually grow your business the way you want it grown. So it's um, the trajectory started to drastically increase when we started started the, the giving process. And again, we didn't do it because I'm like, Hey, let's do this. And, you know, everyone's going to hear about what we're doing and, you know, they're going to want to buy from us. Like in the beginning, like the first probably two years, we didn't tell anybody, nobody. We're like, yeah, we're not going to tell anybody. I just want to give, I just want to be a good person and I want to give, and that's it. Um, and then we started like letting people know, Hey, this is kind of what we're doing because I feel like it's an important factor to where other companies can look at what we're doing and go, man, if they're really successful and they're doing it, why can't we? You know what I mean? And start building that component in. And then, you know, at some point, hopefully everybody starts to give. And you just set the standard now all of a sudden. It's like, if you own a business, you got to be giving back. And like Cole says, if you're not giving back, you're going to get wiped out. Yeah, eventually. Did you notice, did your business notice um, like financial growth in a noticeable type of way once you started kind of promoting a little bit of the give back as well? Or I would say the the growth that we did see was more consistent. It wasn't like, uh, like Cole says, a hockey stick to where it was like, hey, we're giving back. And all of a sudden it was like, wham, we're, we're making all this extra money. And again, we're not telling a whole lot of people in the beginning, but yes, it was, it was consistent growth. Um, and I don't think that's more, I don't think that's like, because customers like, oh, they're, they're giving, you know, let's, let's give our business to them. It had more to do with the culture within the company that they're like, you know, all of a sudden everyone's like, Hey man, we got this, this bigger goal this month, let's hit it. And everybody's working hard to be able to, to hit the the goal of feeding kids. Um, so I think that because of the culture that it built, that's the reason why you see more consistency, better growth, better scalability. And then you do have your customers that are going to come to you. that are like, I want to spend money with you because you actually give back to the community. Mm-hmm. It's tough to build any business, man, especially from, you know, grassroots the first few years you were able to double your business year after year for a number of years. How? I wish I could tell you that answer. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I got lucky. I don't know. Honestly, I will say this. I think what, like one of the biggest factors in any business is when people call, we answer our phones, we answer our phones. um, And we did what we said we were going to do. No matter what, we always, when we promise something to a client, come hell or high water, we always made it happen. Um, and 
you need a good culture and you need great employees to, to keep that consistency. Because one thing we noticed is as we started to grow, it's no longer the Tommy Barrett show, right? Like I, I don't know everything that's going, you have 300 employees. I don't know what's going on with, with every employee. I don't know what's going on with every client. Cause I'm not dealing with everybody. I'm not even dealing with clients anymore at this point. Um, so you have to be able to train your employees appropriately and make sure that one thing that I found out is that nobody in our, in my company like knew our mission statement and, it, and our mission statement was to be the best in every way. And what I mean by that is I'm not asking you to be the best employee. I mean, I want the best version of you regardless. And I used to always tell people like, I want you to be the best version of you outside of work. I want you to be the best version of you inside of work. I want it all to come together just to where you are the best you you possibly be. And if that means you don't work for me anymore, then so be it. If you have a better opportunity and you need to go work somewhere else, I will, I will say thank you for everything you've done for me. And you can, you can leave with grace, no worries. Um, and I think that once you let all of your staff know that you have their back, no matter if they work for you or not, you know, like I still talk to people that worked for me back then. Um, and they're like, Hey man, everything like my success, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I'm grateful for everything you did to me for me because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I'm like the opposite. I'm like, thanks. I appreciate you telling me that, but it's not me that got you to where you are. That's all you. That's all you. The only thing I did was I saw the potential in you and I told you, you're great. And because of that, they they would harness that energy and then they would, you know, go do great things. Um, but every company also has, you know, bad seeds occasionally, um, you know, but with the culture that we had, you kind of root those out pretty quick and you get the right people involved. So to, I, to honestly, man, like I wish I could tell you that I'm this superior entrepreneur and I know what I'm doing and all this stuff, but I don't. I mean, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur since 2005, but there's still so much about business that I don't know and I'm still learning. And I think that that's one of the key components is you got to keep learning. You got to keep um, putting yourself in positions to where you are the dumbest person in the room uh, and it's uncomfortable, but you put yourself there because you want to learn from people that are greater than you. Stay curious. Yeah. Stay curious, man. For sure. There's a, a video that's out there of you and your business partner talking about this and it's, it's so powerful and we'll tag it in the show notes, but inside there, you guys mentioned something about, you know, knowing you have an ability to do something greater than yourself and not acting on it. And you left as kind of an open-ended question that really sat with me. Why should others pursue greatness? Why should others, you know, if they have an ability to do something greater than a themselves or more for this world, and then they sit back and relax on it, ugh, that hurts. Why, why should they pursue it? You know, because you never know. The problem is, yeah, I heard Gary V say the other day, man, he was like, you know, the problem with most people is they're trying to tackle the sea. And that's the reason why you have so many failures is you're trying to tackle the sea. The sea is too hard to tackle. You need to start with, you know, the closest group to you. And so many people don't really understand like how much they can impact one person. And if you impact one person you can impact two and you can impact three. Yes. It's not the sea, but it's a lot, it's a smaller group but eventually that group will grow. And so I, I would say to people, take advantage of that no matter what. I mean, 
you never know if you put out a video or whatever you're doing, you never know if, if one of those people that you impacted, what if it is Gary V and all of a sudden he puts you on a pedestal. So you just keep, you keep grinding and you keep, you keep working towards greatness. Um, and the world needs to hear your story. The world needs to hear your knowledge and hear your perspective. And I think that the more people that do that, that actually, you know, I'm not going to sit around and not be great. I'm actually going to be great. The more people that do that, we can tackle a lot of the issues that are in this world by doing that, you know, and it just starts by, you start by starting. Dude, that's so real. And uh, the other thing I want to touch on quickly was you just talked a lot about uh, some incredible leadership skills that you presented by supporting your staff and, um, you know, making them feel like they're empowered to a donate meals and B to do more in this world. What would you say is your greatest gift in leadership? I think my greatest gift in leadership would be empowering my employees to do what I hire them to do. I think like by letting, I remember one time my business partner came to me and was like, Hey man, we had an employee. He's like, Hey, he's about to lose his $25,000. He's like, you know, we need to do something. And I laughed I go, Hey man, how did you learn? He goes, well, yeah, I lost money, but I'm one of the owners. I said, he's got to learn the same way, man. I was like, for, yeah, I don't want to lose the money. I was like, but he's never going to do this again. Like I let him do it. If you step in and save his ass, he's going to think you're going to do it every time. At least now he's going to be cognizant of what he's doing. Um, and he'll hopefully not make the same mistake. So I think I would always, as a leader, I would always give credit to everybody else. Like I'm, I, I work for my employees. They don't work for me. I work for them. What do you need? Like, how can I make your life easier? You know, I remember my general manager came in one day and he was like, man, I'm working like 80 hour weeks. I'm exhausted. And he was frustrated. And I said, Hey man, I was like, if you're working 80 hour weeks, we're doing something wrong, man. I'm not supporting you the best way I possibly can. If you're working 80 hour weeks and we need to hire you somebody to help you get your job done in 40 hours, I'm not asking you to live here. That's not what I want. And so you know, by doing things like that and letting know, letting my employees know that I support them in no matter what they want to go do um, and empowering them to do their job and not standing over their shoulder, it, it allows them to shine. Yeah, they're going to make mistakes, but we all make mistakes. And by allowing them to make those mistakes, they're going to learn from those and it's going to make your company a stronger company. So many, so many leaders want to be a boss and want to tell everybody you do this and you do this because I'm the smartest person here and I'm, I'm better at everybody. And it, as an entrepreneur, it's hard not to kind of feel like that. Like you're the guy that knows everything. Um, but you don't know everything. There are people that work for you that know more than you in certain areas. Like for a long time, I sold the most within my company. But then when I had a sales team, all of a sudden, these sales guys that we were hiring, I'm like, they know more than I do. And they're doing a way better job than I ever did. But if I would have stepped in and meddled with them and been like, you need to be doing this, this, and this, well, they would have completely imploded and they would have not done a good job and they would have left. And I'd be like, we just can't get good salespeople. No, we can't get good salespeople is because I'm being an asshole. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I don't need to be hanging over their shoulder. Let them do what they need to be doing. I'm hearing you know, good mentorship. I'm hearing autonomy. I'm hearing culture. What else do you think entrepreneurship or business today needs more of? I think like, obviously I, I honestly think that entrepreneurship needs more entrepreneurs that want to do more than just make money. 
that want to have some sort of impactful component within their business. Um, you know, you get on Instagram and you see people who have their Instagram lives or, you know, I'm going to show you my Ferrari or my Lamborghini or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's all cool and great. And I don't, you should have that. I like cool stuff too. I like big houses. I like all that stuff, but I think it'd be a lot cooler. You know, people get on there and be like, Hey, check this out. See this room full of kids. I bought all of them lunch today. None of them could eat, but I bought them all lunch. Like if you could start, start seeing some more of that stuff. Um, I think that as human beings, I mean, we're capable of changing the world into a positive way. And I think we, we, we inherently do do that. But um, I think entrepreneur, the, the entrepreneurial spirit of giving, I think that I would like to see more of that come to light and more people actually doing it and not doing it. So I can get on Instagram or anything and saying, Oh, look, I'm giving, but doing it because it's making a difference in someone else's life. And that's the biggest thing too, is you don't know, like, that 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 five dollar meal that we bought, Joey. How grateful he is for that, and we don't even know. Like he's sitting there going, "Man, I'm so I'm so glad that I get to eat this because when I get home, I don't have food at the house." You know what I mean? And so, having more people that give a shit about making this world a better place, I think, is what we need. And there's a high component of like passion there. Obviously that's, I can feel it through speaking with you. And and I hope that everybody listening can feel it through hearing all of our guests and Randy and I speak. How, how do people find that fact, that passion? Like maybe they're sitting there in a, you know, nine to five that they're not stoked about and they just go through motions. You know, maybe they're currently unemployed. Maybe they're just looking for that next step in life. How do they find that passion? I mean, obviously I think it starts with internally, like figuring out what, like kind of what, like what, what gets you fired up? Like, what is it? I mean, it can be something as easy as I love baseball, baseballs. I love going to games. I love all that. What about coaching in a little league, a, a league that kids can't, you know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of things you can do to make an impact to where now you've got um, a whole coaching program where you, people are coming in to, to pay for your coaching, but then you are also giving back by teaching underprivileged kids baseball. So there's all kinds of ways. Look at all the things you like to do. What do you do in your spare time? You know, what does that mean? Like, like, what do you do? Play soccer? Do you, I mean, who knows? Like play video games. I don't, I don't know what it is. Figure out what, what you like to do in your spare time and figure out how to turn that into a business, whatever that is. Perfect. You set this up right on a T for me. Project punchline. What is it? And why do you love it? Project punchline is a company uh, that does mainly stand-up comedy events. I mean, we do some other stuff too, but it's mainly stand-up comedy events. And we got the idea from Thrive, uh, the way Cole Hatter puts on his um, his conference. And so we pick a different nonprofit every month and we hold a stand-up comedy event where we donate all the proceeds of that event to their nonprofit and also builds awareness and exposure for the nonprofit. Um, and it's also, it's something fun for people to come do, right? So like it's, it's instead of just one, hey, give us some money for this nonprofit. It's like, hey, come out, laugh, have a few drinks. Let's have a good time. Um, you can meet the comics afterwards. Um, and by the way, we're also going to donate all the money that we made here tonight to, you know, whatever the, the nonprofit is. Usually it's Kids Grub or, you know, when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, we donated a bunch of money to the J.J. Watts Foundation. Um, and it's, that's a passion thing. Um, ask me if I make any money doing Project Punchline. No. And the reason why is, is because it's something I just love doing. 
Could I make money doing it? Sure. But I have other businesses that provide me income that I don't need to make money from Project Punchline. Uh, it's just something that um, I'm super passionate about and it's it's fun to do. And it's a great feeling to be able to pick a nonprofit that might not be expecting it and say, hey, we're going to we're going to donate to you this month. Let's let's do a show. Are there any comedians that you, you guys like would like to see? And then sometimes you're like, yeah, this person. And we'll try to book that individual and get them there. Um, but I love it. It's it's something I love doing stand up comedy and I wanted to build a business around something that I love to do. But even more than that, something that was going to give back. Very cool. Uh, just out of curiosity, like you you bring in some other uh, comedians to speak for Project Punchline and stuff. How excited do other people get to come in for a project like that versus if you're just trying to book them for a, a stand up comedy night? Oh, they love it. They, they love it. I mean, I, I think that it's a sense of they have the ability to be a part of something that is greater than themselves. You know, they're going to come in and tell some jokes, but they also know they're coming in um, and they're going to make an impact on whatever. And, you know, sometimes we'll have comedians come to us and be like, Hey, I have this nonprofit that I really love. And do you think we can work together and put a show together for this specific nonprofit? And we'll vet the nonprofit obviously, because we don't want to put a show on for, you know, his buddy started a nonprofit. Now we're just funneling money to his buddy. He's not really doing anything. Um, but we'll vet it. And sometimes we're like, yeah, this is great. We love this idea. Uh, and I don't even think, I don't think there's been a time that we've, somebody came to us and asked us about it to where we didn't do the show, like after we did some vetting. Um, so I think that it makes, it's like when you're good at something, these comedians are good at stand up comedy, but then they're like, man, I get to make people laugh and I get to help other people. Yeah. I'm, I'm freaking in. Like, what do I need to do? Sign me up. So cool. And that's something we found with uh, the podcast where we've been very lucky that a lot of people want to come on the podcast just because they're like, I can share a story about giving back and I don't have to sit here and talk about how to be successful and make a ton of money. But I also get to share about how I helped people and changed lives. Like sign me up for it. And uh, your segue there is perfect for a question I have for you. Of, there's millions of charities out there and you've picked some incredible ones to work with. And with Project Punchline, you pick a bunch of different charities uh, to work with. How do you go about vetting and checking a charity to make sure there's somebody you want to work with? So, well, if they're interested in working with us, what we'll do is we'll set up an interview process and we'll go through that. We have a list of questions that we ask, you know, like, you know, one question, like how much money that, that gets donated to you actually goes to the cause and how much does the organization keep? I mean, and they'll tell you, I mean, it's public information anyway, but um, understanding that is important because I don't want to give to a charity that's only going to give 5% of what's donated to it, to the cause. And they keep the other 95%. So there has to be a happy medium there. Uh, they have to be, you know, notable. Um, and generally speaking, we, we usually, depending on the size of the charity, we get references to understand like what they're actually doing and how they're impacting the community. And if they're doing it the way they say they're going to do it. Um, and we just kind of vet them out that way. Um, I'm trying to think if there was a time that we met with somebody, I think, think i think there was maybe one that we decided not to work with um and the biggest reason was is because they didn't give you enough to the cost i was like yeah i mean I, I like what you guys are doing but not enough is actually going to the cost but sometimes when you put on an event like that they they will say hey this is like this is normal we will make it to where 
100% of what you give us will go to the cause. We've had that happen before where they're like, yeah, we know we do this normally, but like whatever you donate will actually, we'll, we'll put directly to the cause, which is cool. So, I mean, I, I would say, you know, set up a, set up an interview, set up a meeting and sit down and talk to them and understand if it's somebody that you actually want to work with, if their vision is actually kind of what you foresee online and what their presence is. And if, what, are they really doing what they're saying they're doing? That's important. That's awesome, Tommy. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's one of the biggest struggles that a lot of people have getting, you know, getting started is maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed with maybe I love baseball. Maybe I, you know, love different things. Where do we put that focus in? You select a few, you start having some chats, you know, you weed out some of the ones that you don't get good vibes from you have start, you know, contributing to ones that you do. And from there, you can kind of double down if you want to, or, you know, continue to, you know, spread things around. What's, what's the future of your business look like? And what are some goals that you have for, for giving back? Maximum growth and scalability for all of them. I mean, in everything that, that I do, I want to have the ability to um, not be in the day-to-day operation of the company to where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sharing the mission, making sure everybody's getting what they need from me to make the company successful. Um, and really, like with the giving component, I mean, there's really not like a top tier of what I want to do. I just want to continue to do what we're doing and continue to impact lives over and over again and, and scale that the same way that we do businesses. And obviously, since all of my business have had, they have a giving component in it, the more we scale the companies, the more we're going to give back and the more impact we're going to make. I mean, you know, I remember, I don't even remember the year, but let's say it was around t- 2015, you know, you, you start. I mean, you can start small. Like, I mean, I heard this from Tony Robbins. He was like, yeah, I started, I started uh, around Thanksgiving when I was 17, I fed one family for Thanksgiving, a needy family. And so I heard that and I told my, I told my wife, Dina, I said, Hey, I said, I think we should start doing that. We should start giving. And so, you know, it turns, it goes from one family to two families to three, you know, and, and it starts to grow. And so you want your businesses to scale and grow so you can continue to grow the, the giving component um, along with it. You know what I mean? And so that's really like, I, I always want to continue the growth of scalability for my businesses and for giving. I don't really, I'm not like, Hey, I want to, I want to hit, a, I want to feed a thousand people. No, I just, I want to feed more than a thousand people. I want to do great freaking things um, and just, keep growing everything together. That way we're always giving no matter what. Fast forward to the very sad day that Tommy Barrett's no longer exists in this earth, but everybody is celebrating the life that you've been able to accomplish and give. What's the memory you want to leave behind? I think the memory I'd want to leave behind is everybody has potential to be greater than themselves. Mm. And the big and the biggest factor is is you have to believe in yourself that you can be greater than what you currently are, and for people to actually strive to do that, um, whatever that means to you. Um, for me, you know, I want to. When I leave this world, I want people to say, "Man, he gave a lot more than he took." That's beautiful, and I am guaranteeing you that's going to be the case because I just I, I know you and you're driven, and. Uh, Man, it warms my heart to hear that. I have one more question before we jump into our giving round, which is the rapid fire aspect of things. I feel a little bit of strong emotion with you right now, thinking about that last question I asked you. So staying in that space, brag on yourself for a second and 
tell us a story or a moment that gives you goosebumps every time you think about it, where there was a time that you gave something time, energy, money, but every time you think about it, it gives you goosebumps. What is it? I'm getting them right now. So, so when Dina and I first started providing like Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners and stuff to families, um, I think the second year we did it, we did it for two, two families. And one of the, man, oof. one of the families, both the parents had, a. Uh, passed away and there was there was five kids living in the two-bedroom apartment and someone said yeah their older brother takes care of them and I said okay let's 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 give to that family and when I thought older brother I'm thinking the dude's like 30 we show up we have presents we have food I mean like like we went all out for this family and uh we walk into the apartment and one of the kids has down syndrome and she was so grateful she could like thank thank you so much giving us hugs thank you so much thank you and like like i could barely hold my composure when when i got inside i was like man this is like this is crazy we gave everybody a hug merry christmas um and Dean and I walked back out to the car and we just sit, we, we sat in my truck, didn't say one word to each other. We sat there for like three minutes and just both of us had tears streaming down our face. And uh, we just looked over at each other and smiled. I was like, man, that was crazy. That was like, like the feeling of being able to impact somebody who didn't have a choice for their circumstance. Um, it's, I mean, goosebumps, man. And that's, that, that's what that, that, I, I cherish that memory. I, I cherish that moment. And I'm grateful that God gave me the ability to be able to do that. And like, took me to a conference so I could learn like, Hey, you need to, you need to get. Oh man. I think we all need a minute after that. <laughs> yeah, um, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty awesome, dude. It was like, and, and the crazy thing is what did that cost you, man? A little bit of time and a little bit of money. Um, it's all real, you know. I mean, just to and it, and a lot of gratefulness, really. Like I think about that often, and I'm like, man, it it blows me away with how in this section when we ask these questions, it's sometimes the simplest and littlest amount of money and and effort to to make such massive massive impact on memories they will have for a lifetime. So it's a, it's a perfect transition into our giving round, bro, where we'll change up the attitude a little bit and hit you with some rapid fire questions about giving. You good? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Rag on one charity you like. Uh, kids grub. That's the charity that feeds 15, 2000. I don't know, a ton of kids a day. What gets you more excited? Donating a million dollars or spending a week physically helping others? Uh, physically helping others because you can see the people that you're impacting. I mean, both of them are cool, but being able to help others and see and, and feel the, the, the gratitude that they have, that you're there helping them, that's hands down. Who inspires you with their giving? 
Honestly, if I have to say one person, it's Kenny Brunick. He's the founder of Kids Grub. When I saw what he was doing, I'm like, man, this guy had a choice. He's super smart. He's super talented. He's an entrepreneur. And he chose a nonprofit to run and make a difference in people's lives. So when he's he blows me away by the stuff he does. And when I saw what he was doing, I was like, I have to help this guy. I don't care what it takes. I have to help him. And so that's he's really him and Cole Hatter. He's really what inspired me to to start the giving process. Perfect. Do you believe that entrepreneurs should start giving immediately in their business as it's created or wait till they have some success and some money in the bank account? I think they should start immediately. I mean, you don't have, that's the misconstrued idea is that you have to have money to be able to give. Don't, you just have to give some of your time, no matter what it is. I mean, everybody does whatever it is, their skill set is, you can give some of that away to where it doesn't cost you any money. It just costs you some time. So start right in the beginning. When you hear go big to give big, what does it mean to you? It means get off your ass and and get yourself together and start going big so you can give big to people that need you to give to them, no matter what that is, whatever the component is. Um, so be greater than yourself. That's what I think. Best answer I've ever heard, to be honest. In first word that comes to mind, describe you the feeling you get when you give. Gratitude. Always being grateful, man. All right. The last question here, and I think I know your answer to this one, but I'm happy to hear explanation after it. Uh, the age old question of, do you believe that money can buy you happiness? So yes, I do believe money can buy you happiness, uh, but not in the terms that most people think. I think that money can buy you happiness because it makes life easier in terms of you're less worried, like the most stressed out people are the people who are broke because they don't know where they're going to get their next dollar, the next, their next meal from. And so by making more money, you have the ability to, to one, help yourself. And number two, help people around you who might need your help. So yeah, I do think money can buy you happiness. That's incredible, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on today and just being a hundred percent vulnerable, sharing your story and impacting so many lives. And uh, where can people find more of your content, learn more about you or check out what you're up to? My handle on every social media site is Tommy Barrett's. They can find me there. Like, like it doesn't matter. That's my handle. Tommy Barrett's you can find me. So awesome dude well thank you again so much for coming on and inspiring everybody that's listening to go bigger with their dreams and goals so they can give bigger at their profits and after listening to this episode if you don't want to add a giving component to your business then you are missing out so thank you again for coming in dude we appreciate it as always and looking forward to staying connected with you dude thanks for having me i had a blast i really appreciate you guys thinking of me and, and bringing me on so thank you Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember... Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.